going to be friendly, so it's hot. Hi, it's Nikki Jensen and Brie Picconi, and we're Late, Late to, to the, the Party, a weekly podcast about film, fashion, and pop culture from two best friends mentally stuck in Leomania in 1997. And today we have, as a special guest to talk about Titanic, RJ Molina. Hey. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Happy to be on again, or I don't know if this was before or after. <laughs> It'll be before. It'll be, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Whoops. Pretend like you've never been on the pod before. Just cut that. Never been on, I've never been on the pod. <laughs> so... RJ, thank you so much for talking about Titanic with us. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you for having me, and it's it's great that you're doing this because I I saw it yesterday. I, I saw it fresh, I guess. Um, yeah, Valentine's Day. What a Valentine's oh, nice. Day movie to to go see. <laughs> Did you see it in the 3D or just yeah yeah? Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. same. Yes. First time seeing it in theaters. I was seven when it came out. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so probably not the best age to see it at that time. Um, did you see uh, it when it came out? No, no. Um, saw it like a year later on VHS. Mm. And at that time you couldn't fit a three hour movie on the one single VHS mm -hmm. tape. You had to split it into two and the cutoff, the halfway point where you had to go and switch to the second uh, tape was just, if you didn't have that second tape immediately, like it was like, ah, I need to see what happens next. It was so good. Such a perfect halfway point. When is a halfway point? Because I, well, we were three or four when this movie came out. So obviously I didn't see it when it came out. But thanks, thanks for no, no, me no. Feel old. <laughs> you were seven. That's not that old. But um, <laughs> it was the two VHS tapes. They're like iconic. Right. Yes. Yep. And it came and the box was like this thick and most boxes were like that. And um, the the cutoff point was right after uh, the Titanic hits the Berg spoiler. And uh, and all the uh, Mr. Andrews and the captain and the rich guy who was just telling the captain to go faster and faster <laughs> every scene that they had together. Um, they all meet and Mr. Andrews is trying to tell him it's like, look. We were safe at four boilers, you know, being mm -hmm. flooded in, but we got five now, so we're going down. Mm -hmm. And um, the captain turns to the to the rich guy who paid for everything, and he's just like, well, it looks like you've got your headline. And then it just cuts right there. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. That's a big cliffhanger. Yeah, and then the next scene, when you pop the second one in, is uh, um, the scene with Cal and Rose, and he's just standing there at the doorway after Jack's been taken uh, down to the brick or whatever, and and they just have. He, that's when he when he slaps her. So that's right where the second tape starts off. I remember that vividly. I remember being a kid, never having to do that. One, switch to another tape, and then two, just the, you know, the the bass drop of like you've got your headline, and it's like oh my gosh, and then opening up on the slap where it's like I've never seen, I had never seen that before. A slap, and that was sh yeah, I've never seen like I've never seen a woman get you know that mm. it was just shocking to me. I was like, what the hell? Um, sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to curse. Uh, <laughs> no, you can. <laughs> um, but yeah, so imagine seeing that as like an eight year old at that point. I was when when the VHS came out. I was like, whoa, this is crazy. Just opened up a whole new world for you. 
Yeah, yeah, and I'd never seen a movie. Like, I mean, obviously, I'm, I was like eight at the time, but like, you know, I was used to just seeing animated films. Mm. and so this was the first and like a few Cameron Diaz movies you know The Mask and My Best Friend's Wedding but like I'd never seen anything the what? The Greats The Mask and My Best Friend's Wedding sorry to cut you off yeah yeah um but I'd never seen anything of this scope um this long like it was a movie that you know my mom could just put in while she was cleaning or cooking or something and just be like glued to the screen for three hours Mm -hmm. you know she wouldn't have to worry about me so it's like one of those like big movies that I'd seen you know I hadn't grown up on like Goodfellas or anything like that before (laughs) Titanic so well this is my first time seeing Titanic in my life I saw I saw that I think you had like tweeted that and I was Mm -hmm. like what what Um, um but yeah, I'm familiar with Titanic, of course. Sure. sure. Um, but I couldn't get over when I saw the movie last week for the first time in the movie theater. Yeah. It's the regular length of a movie nowadays. Yes. Oh. Yes. And it's not it to like say that. that there hadn't been movies that were, that you know, there there have been big epics um, before then. Um but I don't think anything to this extent, you know, uh, someone will probably fact check that. I can't think of any other, I mean, Lawrence of Arabia was pretty long, but, like you know, Cleopatra. like, yeah, those movies from that, but like, as far as contemporary, you know, within, I guess at that point, so that was the nineties from like the seventies on, I can't think of a movie that, you know, was that long or had that much of a, you know, big to do about it. And also, raise the amount of money that it did in the box office like nothing had really come close to that but what was your experience like watching it like for the first time time. like yeah well okay so i am a new james cameron head apparently (laughs) because (laughs) last year i saw avatar the first one for the first time and i was like oh this is kind of like pocahontas i'm into this I saw sure. Judgment Day for the first time, and I was really into that. Yes. And I saw Avatar 2, The Way of Water in theaters. And, like, you know, there's that scene where oh, one of the characters is like, ah, and just, mm-hmm. like, twirling around. I felt like that. Yeah. I mean, Watching the movie. I felt like that. I know I had, like, an edible or something, but I felt like that. And <laughs> you came prepared. Yeah, I did. I, but I felt it in my core. And watching Titanic for the first time was that same feeling. Yeah. Like from beginning yeah. to end, I was I was into it. And I don't know, Bree. What, what's your what's been your experience? I would say like it was pretty similar to yours. Like I remember being a kid with the VHS tapes, and now when you mention like the part because. We were talking about where did it stop? And I couldn't really remember. But now that you mention it, I remember like the slap and stuff. I'm just being like, whoa, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. I remember the scene where she's like, draw me like a French girl and being like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine I was just like. <laughs> yeah, that whole movie yeah. captured my attention. I don't know. I've always loved it. And yeah, it was cool to watch it again and mm-hmm. watch it. This is the second time I've seen it in 3D. And I don't know. I feel like it's cool because you feel like you're almost there in certain scenes. 
Yeah, the thing about the 3D, I, I missed it the first time around. Um, I think it was, yeah, it was for the 100 year um, anniversary back in 2012. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I never saw it in theaters. But the 3D, um, you know, we're talking about Way of Water and watching it in high frame rate 3D, you really feel like you're in that movie. Like you just poked your head through the, the movie screen. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with Titanic, it's there. But it's it's almost like Cameron's not trying to push it too hard because this is different. Like it's it's real. It's based on something that really happened, even though we're, we're you know, with fictional characters throughout most of it. Um, but I feel like he's paying respect to the fact that, like, because this is a real tragedy that happened, I don't want to, like, make the 3D too in your face because that would almost become a distraction right yeah i know what you're saying like when it's yeah. sinking or something it's not just like coming at you like a cool yeah. effect like it's it knows its right. limits yeah i was really shocked there was that um i mean the whole opening sequence the way cameron uses he applies like that sepia feel mm-hmm. to it at the very beginning to make it feel like is this archival footage or is it you know that was really great and then uh uh when elderly rose starts telling the story and we transition to the the pier and all that kind of stuff i almost i found myself like getting a little like emotional about it i don't know if it was nostalgia or just the fact that like you have james horner who's killing it you know in the in the soundtrack department (laughs) you know and the visuals and all that Mm -hmm. um but it was like really emotional to watch. Um, That's a I, lovely transition. Yeah. All the transitions are so good. Like all yeah. the transitions from present to past, like you mentioned the uh, French girl scene and the, the way the camera just starts pushing in on her eye. And then like, it just seamless transition to um, who's that actress? Um, Gloria Stewart, I think it was. Yes. Um, um, it almost feels like they were, perfect for each other you know like to play young and old rose um but yeah there, there were a lot of moments where i just found myself kind of like starting to get a little teary-eyed um, even before we got to the second half even before we got to the disaster of it all same um, yeah yeah can we talk about the opening of the film a little bit mm-hmm. yeah go for it so the film does open up with the sepia tone you know like is this mm-hmm. real is this real footage or not um, mm-hmm. And then we meet Old Rose, played by Gloria yeah. Stewart. Um, mm-hmm. And this is my first time, and it didn't dull the experience at all, but I finally got to see that it's been 84 years. Oh, yeah. Uh, we were giggling the in the theater. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I was, I was curious because, you know, it's become a meme now, and then not just that, but there's also someone on YouTube who put out this like spoof video of Jack drawing like a really bad doodle of Rose yes. and the, and the theme has been butchered by like a really bad recorder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I was worried that like, I'd laugh at the 84 years thing and that seat and the French girl sequence. I was worried. I was sitting there. I was like, please don't laugh. Like Did this you? is meant to be laugh. like a very serious moment, but it didn't break me. Are you saying it broke you, Nikki? It didn't break me. It actually made me feel like, I was watching a football game, like watching like uh, the Eagles win or something. I was just like trying to hold back the woo, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or like the Meryl Streep meme where she's like, woo, you know, she's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
But um, oh. but yeah, so we meet Gloria Stewart and they're in present day, so in 97. Yeah. And they're trying to find the heart of the ocean. Yep. You got Bill Paxton who's mm-hmm. trying to make this whole expedition seem like, oh, this is, you know, for humanitarian purposes or whatever. We're trying to ar- archive these things before they're lost forever to the ocean. And then I love that you know, he's recording himself and he's saying like really good things, you know, kind of off the cuff. And it's like, I can't even rip like that in front of a camera. And he turns it off. He's like, all right, that's enough of that crap. Let's look for this thing. <laughs> like he's so full of it. Um, and yeah, Rose comes in and she's just like, hey man, that naked girl in the picture, that's, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> I love how no one believes yeah. her. She's like, yes. no, that is me. Yeah, that's me. And then you got the you got his buddy who's like, she's a very old goddamn liar, you know. Like, yeah. I just love how um how like jaded they all are. You know, they're just these pirates, really. We're, we we you know we're our our story is first introduced to these pirates trying to um, salvage stuff from the Titanic, and it's like it's not it's not unrealistic, you know. Which I love, Bill Paxton. In this. Oh, Bill Paxton's great. With and the everything. earring? And everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's he's great in everything. Uh, and there's a funny sort of bit of trivia. It's like you listen to the DVD commentary or whatever with James Cameron. He'll talk about that scene where he's uh, he gets the call from his investors and he's just like, yeah, you know, I just need a little bit more time. You know, this thing, these things happen and all that kind of stuff. James Cameron's like, that's basically me with producers on this movie, <laughs> you know, because everyone was telling me not to make this movie. And every once in a while, I get a phone call where they're like, we can't give you any more money. And he's like, I just need a little bit more time. Like, yeah, whatever. Um, so it's kind of like art imitating life. That's funny you say that because the whole time watching this movie, I mm-hmm. was like, is Bill Paxton James Cameron? Because James Cameron loves the water. Mm-hmm. He does. Loves doing that that whole thing. The difference is, I don't think James Cameron's a pirate. You know, he he genuinely loves the ocean, <laughs> so he's like an evil version of James. Yes, Cameron. but James Cameron might—I don't know. Don't quote me mm-hmm. on it, but he might want to mm-hmm. pop on that earring sometimes. He might want when he's <laughs> diving. You know, he's like Jimmy. Jimmy C still has it. Is what you're saying? Like I he's think still, so. You know, you still got the okay. All right. Sure. <laughs> also, Bill Paxton is such a fashion icon in this movie. Those fisherman I mean, sweaters? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that <laughs> to myself. Cigar in hand, I'm like, like, am I attracted to him? I The only time I've been attracted to Bill Paxton. I mean, watch some more movies of his from that time. I think Twister, what is Twister? Yeah. yeah. Helen Hunt steals it for me. Yeah. What else? Uh, okay, that's fair. Um, What else? Oh, gosh, you're going to make me go through Bill Paxton's filmography right now. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't everything in the 90s he was yeah he was kind of like the the sort of secret um nugget that the golden nugget that you would want in your movies he was just so um even if the script wasn't great like he just made it feel so real and and you know lively um even even recently um you know i know he's passed on but the uh edge of tomorrow with tom cruise so much fun in that movie you know his whatever accent he's doing uh, whatever southern accent he's trying to pull off like he's just he was just so good he commits for sure he does yeah 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 and then another bit of trivia is that um 
that one guy who you know the the bearded long-haired ponytail guy who's like you know she's she's an old liar um i think he was an actual um uh like diver or something some sort of you know whatever james cameron does i think he you know this was like a real dude who actually did that like he's not an actor you know so but he killed he he was realistically like he was great i know i mean you know as you can't tell already i love this movie (laughs) (laughs) we'll see usually on this pod i come in knowing so much you know like seeing the movie so many times so this is like I'm late to the party on this one. So it's, it's how do nice. you go? How do you go all this time without seeing it? I've been giving her a hard time about it because th- there's not much that I can give Nikki a hard time about because usually she has right. seen way more movies than me. But <laughs> this is, it's like the one where I'm. But you've seen it now. So. I've seen it now, and I can't go back. Like I've managed to make most of my guy friends watch Mean Girls before, before you'd seen Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> like. I think, okay, the thing that was so daunting for me was the three hours and 15 minutes of it all. Sure, sure. But when you're in a Jimmy C movie, it, time has, it's no object. It it flies by. And I last night when we were watching, I turned to my fiance and I was like, we're already here. You know, it was right after they made love in the car and mm-hmm. the, I, the bird was about to hit. I, I sat there and I was like, oh no. This is about to go to the halfway point. Like we're already here. This is crazy. How the movie moves so fast, you know? Yeah, Just I was thinking that to it. myself in the theater too, because I'm like, well, it's gonna be the long one. Because I don't know something about sitting in a theater and not being able, like, not like not having an intermission or you know what I mean, right. like. Right. But yeah. Right. It did go by. And I had food in the theater. I had drink and I did not get up at all, even though I'd seen this movie so many times. So I was just glued to it, you know, and because you don't feel the time pass by, you don't even think about that. You're just watching it. Yeah. Yeah. I got up one time, but I kind of regretted it. But I made it back right in time for the draw me like your French girl like scene. So I was like, phew, I didn't miss too much. But I was nervous. Another bit of trivia for that nikki is uh, mm-hmm. those are james cameron tans drawing yes wrote. yes <laughs> my so man you Leo. can clearly tell like you can tell like he, i think he was probably like in his 40s late 40s when he when he made the movie so you could clearly see like some wrinkles there like th- those are not leo's hands <laughs> you know he's got leo's got the yes. sexy hair over his eyes but he doesn't like the hands just don't match <laughs> <laughs> he just spends a lot of time out in the sun the hands are the first yeah. things to age mm-hmm. beauty 101 that, okay, that's, Actually, that's true that's fair yeah that's fair <laughs> well since we're talking about leo and his appeal uh-huh. with his aged uh-huh. hands mm-hmm. can we talk about leo mania because that's for me, that's the pop culture through line throughout this film is th- I think the reason why Titanic was such a like pop culture juggernaut is because of Leo Mania. Yeah, it was huge. And um, I'm probably going to get this fact wrong, too. But I think Romeo and Juliet came out before this. Mm-hmm. Right. So then, but then you had what's eating Gilbert Grape, you know, a couple of years before that you had Romeo and Juliet, you had all of these things building up to Titanic. And it was to the point where, um, some more trivia, Leo, when he was coming up for this movie, he didn't want to audition for it because in his head, he was like, well, I've already done like all these things. Like I'm a commercial success. You know, you're guaranteed a hit with me basically. And he like almost refused to audition for Cameron and Cameron being 
Jimmy C about it. He was like, no, you're going to audition because I'm James Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, the Leo craze, like I remember it, you know, as just posters everywhere, like all that kind of stuff. Like he was the big draw and yeah, he gets top billing. But one of the things that I found interesting and yeah, I mean, I realized this as like a teenager rewatching the film, but it really is Kate's movie. Mm-hmm, for sure. Yeah. You know, she wasn't as big of a name at that time. Um, so she didn't get top billing, but this is totally her movie. And it's, and it's in keeping with like James Cameron's, um, I don't know what you want to call it, but, like his, his vibe or his thing where he just likes having strong female characters, even if they don't start out strong, like they do become that by the end. The Linda Hamilton of it all. The Linda Hamilton, exactly. So like, you know, uh, there are some fans of, of James Cameron's who are like, why would he do this? like Romeo and Juliet you know romance movie and it's like it's not too dissimilar from his other movies Mm -hmm. you know uh Terminator you got Sarah Connor and uh was it Kyle Reese right um you have you know all these relationships true lies like all these things and yes there's like hardcore action in them but there's also Mm -hmm. hardcore action in this movie so it's really not any different than what he's done in the past well that was the oh sorry oh I was just gonna say I forgot that like in Titanic, there is like this element, like other than just the boat sinking, like of action where they have like Cal's henchman is always like chasing after them and they have like guns, yep. like their lives are actually yep. threatened before the boat sinks. Right. Like, I don't know what the yeah. biggest right. threat is, if it's the boat or if it's Cal. True. Or if it's Rose's mom. Or Rose, yeah, yeah, yeah true. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so the point, yeah, the point being that like this really isn't any different from his other movies the only difference is that the special effects were at peak level Mm -hmm. at this time you know um i feel like for 97 it looks really good it does look really good really good uh even on the big screen um i did it didn't feel and because it's remastered in 4k and all that kind of stuff like it it still looks it looks better than most contemporary movies today, I think. A hundred percent. Well, I think that's James Cameron's like I don't know if it's restraint is the word I'm looking mm. for, but there's a way that his movies are timeless, like a lot of them, mm-hmm. just because he knows how to do like the narrative that is a very compelling traditional narrative. But then with yep. the special effects, he goes really big but it's never garish exactly even with something like avatar Mm -hmm. um you know he's using the technology to tell the story rather than you know having some sort of story there to like show off it's not like Um, marvel movies no i'm trying not to say that but that's exactly what i was kind of leaning we just all turn into martin scorsese yeah Yeah. Yeah. The ruining. This is cinema. Cinema, (laughs) Um, And yeah, I mean, not to bash those movies because, you know, they they hold a place for a lot of people. For sure. Um, And the older movies, God, coming up on like 20 years and a couple, just a few years for Marvel. But like, you know, the older, the original Marvel movies were definitely what you were talking about, Nikki. Like, they were very. uh, restri- you know, the, the, the filmmaker showed a lot of restraints and they didn't try to overdo it so much, even though they had all these visual effects and special effects. 
I'm at their disposal. They used it sparingly, not sparingly, but like appropriately. Um, so, you know, there's, there's merit to them, but yeah, sure. Nowadays it feels a little, little muddled. <laughs> but, but yeah, what were we talking about? Hmm. We were talking about, what were we talking about? I go off on tangents. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Leomania. That was it. Leomania. Yes. So yes. my first or one of my first memories at all is I remember mm-hmm. being like, oh, this Leo DiCaprio must be mm-hmm. the pinnacle of like handsomeness, mm-hmm. the best. Mm-hmm. Like I, this Leo DiCaprio guy is, is it. Everyone loves him. And when I'm older, I will also love Leo DiCaprio. That's what I thought. And Do you still the, love Leo DiCaprio? As an actor, yes. But by the time I was a teenager, it was like the departed Leo DiCaprio and Blood Diamond. So like. <laughs> I'm, yeah, the departed. You went um, to him in the departed? Yeah, I. The, depa- the, the yeah, Shutter um, Island of I, it all. Yes, the inception of it all. I. I didn't quite understand the craze because, again, I was like an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> so I was just like, eh, whatever. Um, uh, and I, I think the first movie of his that I saw where I was like, okay, yeah, you're, you're, you're pretty damn good. Um, and I, I, I like you as an actor. Um, it was probably Shutter Island, you know. And I had seen, like, everything leading up to that, you know, Depotted included. And actually Blood Diamond. So I think Blood Diamond and, and you know, Shutter Island were like the two movies, even though they were a couple of years apart. Like they were the ones that made me go, "Okay, he's actually he's actually really cool um, as an actor." Um, but yeah, I never understood the craze at that time. <laughs> well, like I remember even in uh, the Parent Trap, Hallie when they're uh-huh. in the bunk um, at right. summer camp, and she's like, "You haven't heard of Leo DiCaprio?" Like it's such a it, it hit it hit the streets like in 1998 everywhere and his equivalent to this now you know in in the present day would be like timothy chalamet you know so i get and i get it like i got a man crush on timothy so like i get it you know like i understood what everyone was obsessed about in the 90s the difference is like i think chalamet is doing what leo what took leo maybe like 15 20 years to do he's done in like 10 you know i you know yeah, no, I think as a Timothy Chalamet lover, yeah, <laughs> um, that that is my Leo. But yes, yeah, Timothy Chalamet has, and maybe it's just because of the pandemic with Dune not being mm-hmm. as big of a hit or anything. But Timothy Chalamet isn't the star that Leo DiCaprio was in the late nineties. Right, he's not the commercial success. Mm-hmm. Um, but why not? You did all right. I know. Um, yeah, why not, right? He should be. Um, He's better looking. Hot take. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have no shame saying that. I'll say it. Um, uh, but why, Brie, right? Um, yeah. I think, it's, I think it's to do with the fact that, like, right up until 2008, it really was about the the star of the movie mm-hmm. you know this is a brad pitt movie this is a cameron diaz movie this is you know a julia roberts movie mm-hmm. um chalamet is in the wrong era mm-hmm. like if he came up in the 90s 
he would be as big, if not probably bigger than Leo. Mm. But because you have, and we're coming back to the Marvel of it all, because you have these superhero movies, you don't have the star anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's going to see Ant-Man 3 because of Paul Rudd. They're going to see it because it's Ant-Man. Except for me. But that's it. Except for you. Yeah, yeah, I like Paul Rudd, but yeah. But no, I love Paul Rudd. But like, when, what was the last Paul Rudd movie you saw in theaters? Ant-Man? <laughs> and exactly. the Lost <laughs> exactly and he's had he's had plenty come out since then and that's okay like that's okay that you hadn't seen them but like that's the that's the that's what i'm talking about with the the star power versus the character power you know character is now the thing what about robert downey um, jr though because he did marvel it's, it's the same thing like robert downey jr was big he wasn't even big in the 90s like mm-hmm. he was already starting to, he was already going through his sort of bad boy phase there um but robert downey jr was the reason that iron man was successful because it was there was that curiosity of like why is he in this like why is the studio putting their chips on this guy mm-hmm. you know we got to go see this this is weird um and then you see it and you're like oh he's perfect but then um, downey jr does carry the marvel movies until endgame right he does but what downey jr movie have you seen in theaters besides all the marvel ones well, what about Sherlock Holmes? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sherlock Holmes. I saw that yep. for him. So that was early turn. Uh, you know, that was like 2010 or so. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any since then? Sherlock Holmes Two: Book of Shadows or whatever it's called. <laughs> I don't even know. So what he's no been franchises in. then. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, and that's okay. But like that's but that's that's the that's the effect I'm talking about. Like he was the draw for that first Iron Man because he was, you know, the bad boy, and we got to see what this bad boy's doing. But now, you know, several Marvel movies later, you're no longer going to see due date. That's oh you know, yeah, no that's longer, true. Yeah, you know, you're no longer going to see uh, Doctor Doolittle, which came out like what was it last year? Or the year before. <laughs> Not that that movie's like great or anything, but like, you know, I get it. If that, he was I mean, a star, I'm, that movie would have been more would have made money. Yeah, but like people are. And it's also remake association as well. It's like, why is it? Why are, yeah. they, why are we doing a Doolittle? Like Eddie Murphy's Eddie Doolittle. Murphy's like, done what, it. What's happening here? Who needs to do it again? Yeah. So it's 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 one of those things. So going back to like Chalamet, you know, he's just a product of the wrong era. <laughs> like he's making all the great moves. Like mm-hmm. every movie of his, I'm like, I'm you know, great, fantastic. But I'm not enough to make an impact on his box office numbers, unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I get, yeah, it's true. It's so interesting, though, back to Leo, his -hmm. career, it's so fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Like, forget all the only dating people under, like, 25 thing, which I know people love to talk about. Oh, boy. Well, I won't say anything. (laughs) No, no, go ahead. Uh, This is terrible. Uh, uh, I felt really uncomfortable during the whole dance sequence where he's just like you're still my girl Cora and I'm like oh yeah kind of cute before the... <laughs> you mean like when he was <laughs> but now it's kind of yeah. just gross hearing you say that like it's weird <laughs> oh. um and of course you know like Kate's character 17 in this Ugh. yeah that's something anyway. I forgot and I also well I don't know if I ever realized that because as a kid you're not your perception of age is so different and I don't know if yeah. it's blatantly said in the movie, how old she is, and no, she it's, doesn't. It's is it yeah. okay? Well, I just always assumed she was like twenty or something. Like I, I don't know. Oh, she's seventeen, and 
yes, you can make the argument at a different time and all that kind of stuff, but it's still like, like you can still make the jokes about it. You can still make the Leo dating jokes about it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Except this is probably the most age appropriate Leo's ever yeah. gone because he's like 21. Right? 22, yeah, whatever. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He's only just 50 years older than, yeah. than Rose in this. So. He's not like 45, you know. He's not 45, exactly. But uh, what was I going to say? So, yeah, Leo, my first movie I saw him in was What's Eating Gilbert Grape. hmm And that performance still holds up. Like, I don't know if he would be allowed to play that now, but it holds up. Mm, so now we're coming into the whole, like, what's appropriate as an actor to, to be playing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think he could still play it. Um, it because be like I think even at that time, he was playing it respectfully. You know, like, it wasn't a parody. It wasn't a, con- you know, it was a very serious take on it. And. You know, as an actor, that's what you're supposed to do is you're supposed it to is. get into that and, and understand it and try to portray that in a respectful way. So I think he could still do it, but he did it in the right know. way. Yes, he did. And yeah. It's a great performance. Absolutely. Have you seen that movie, Frank? Yeah, that's one I have not seen of Leo's. I feel like I've seen everything but that movie. <laughs> so good. <laughs> and the, then yeah i was just gonna say the first movie i saw with him was uh romeo and juliet or no i guess it would be this and then romeo and juliet yeah yeah i think i think the same thing i think yeah this was the first and then romeo and juliet and i liked i love that movie but it was still i was still at that age where i'm like leo <laughs> you know <laughs> like sure look at him he's just sitting there at the beach and looking all leo about it uh-huh like okay <laughs> you know it- it's but, so yeah. crazy because I, you know, Romeo and Juliet, the 90, 1996 version, was the one in high school that they would play to yep. try to get the kids into it. And I mm-hmm. loved that movie, but I never really thought about Leo DiCaprio as a sex symbol. I just thought he was a really great actor. <laughs> so at no point. I don't know. And then looking back now, like when we were watching the film, I was like, Leo DiCaprio which is a vibe. This is a vibe. So no offense, but mm-hmm. he gives me lesbian. <laughs> oh yeah. Didn't you say he looked like Jojo Siwa? He looks you? like Jojo Siwa now. And that's hot, to, but not my type. <laughs> <laughs> you're about to, you're about to uh, <laughs> get all the flack here. <laughs> Some hot takes. <laughs> I mean, but it's a good thing. Like I get it. I get, I've heard a lot of, people say that this is when they knew they were gay. It's Leo sure. DiCaprio. Yeah. Sure. I mean, he had this very K2, man. Like, they had this unique look about them that, like, no other kind of star at that time really had. I mean, yes, you had freaking Brad Pitt and Cameron Diaz, but, like, there was just something so interesting about Leo and Kate and how they looked, particularly in this movie, that, like, you know, no other sort of actor can could have that you know like no other actor could pull off his hair no other actor could pull off his eyes where he's just like squinting or whatever like there's just something about it um and kate as well like man gorgeous in this movie gorgeous and to this day but like in this movie is just wow see that's the thing that shocked me was 
I wasn't like, ooh, Leo's cute. This movie made mm-hmm. me realize Kate Winslet is a babe. She's beautiful. Oh my gosh, dude. And in that picture that we pan by at the very end where it's I, it's like her headshot. It's like the silent movie's headshot or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she just looks of that era. Like she is gorgeous um, in this movie and like has that, that movie star that like, silent film era movie star vibe about her like she totally could have been one of them um if you know if she were born earlier truly i mean she's so talented as well and she's so ta- yeah yeah and it's funny because she hates her performance in this apparently <laughs> i don't or I don't parts it. of it parts of it <laughs> i mean there were a few um, parts i feel like were over the top maybe just a little you sure. know where she just like sure. blurts things out like or she's like, I'm flying, Jack. Like, I mean, I know it's like, I don't know. Watching it now, there are some parts where I'm like, oh, that is a little cheesy. But then there's other parts where it. she's super serious and it, she plays it so well. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, okay. Dude, I was I think by the time you get to the second half. Yeah, yeah. And I think by the time you get to the second half, she sells everything she does. Yeah. Um, even before the disaster. Like everything when she decides after the I'm flying now, there's just this confidence that she has when she pulls it off so well um, in everything uh, Yeah, her acting. If she didn't like any of the stuff before the second half, I think the second half is like the, the you know, sort of peak. For me, the real turning point is so when they have that dinner and they like leave and they go to the underground, like the third class mm-hmm. party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's something that shifts in her as a character and her performance, mm-hmm. like you were saying about the like this confidence. And I think after yep. that and like the act scene when she's mm-hmm. going to save Leo. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. I just, you know, talk about Linda Hamilton vibes, but also just such a great performance. Oh, man. And that's that scene. Thank you for bringing that up. The. um um, even before she she you know um, cuts the the handcuffs when she's looking for help and mm-hmm. she's very she's desperate she's playing off the sort of damsel in distress vibe of, of it all um, even though she had this confidence leading up to that like it's it's sort of like the last part of her um, old character her innocence in that moment where she's looking for help. And you see this thing, and I never noticed it before. And it's maybe because I'm just seeing it on a big screen now for the first time. But you see, like this body shift a little bit, mm-hmm. where after the the crew guys like, "Come on, miss," and she punches him, and he runs away. You see this shift in her body. I don't know how to like show or describe mm-hmm. it, but like it's this thing where it's like the confidence fully takes over at that point. Mm-hmm. You know, it was there in the party scene, but it was let's say it was like eighty percent there. You know, it was 90% there when she made love to him and all that kind of stuff. But once we get to that moment where there is no other help that's going to be around for her, she's like, screw this. I got to do this. Yeah. And her um, eyes, I got to be the one yeah. who's like, yeah, her like eyes, like there's, yeah, there's something about it. And I never noticed that before. I'd only, I mean, you can't really see that on VHS number one. And I never owned the DVD or Blu-ray. So it's like this first time I actually get to notice new things now like that. For sure. Yeah. Oh, what did you what did you think of the the romance? Because that's a whole thing too. Yeah, I their chemistry was off the charts. 
you know, you can, we can talk about the writing and, you know, Jimmy C has a tendency to be a little handy and cheesy sometimes. And, but you know what? I like that. I like the earnestness of, of, of it. Like it's very um, old school. And uh, I feel like a lot of scripts these days, particularly with the comic book movies are a little too cynical, a little too jokey, a little too jovial and, and childish and immature. And so, yeah, bring on the cheese. I don't mind it. I like it. And, but as far as their chemistry, like man i what's what's the movie since then that you can think of where that level of chemistry has come across where it didn't feel forced because it doesn't doesn't feel forced in this movie i can maybe think of like one i can't think of any yeah i'm trying Great, to think what you got I, i'm trying <laughs> yeah. to think um romance movies um i mean maybe pretty woman i feel like there's that, chemistry. Was, that was before yeah, this. Oh, in this year? No, like after, after 97. Oh. Um, yeah. Mm, since 97. I don't know. I can't really think of any. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the one that comes to mind for me is probably Call Me By Your Name. Mm, that was really good. That was really good. They had great chemistry. Um, but it was this awkward chemistry that was working its way towards what it ultimately became um which is right for the story obviously yeah but for this like you felt the spark and cheesy dialogue aside like you i fully believe that these are two people who had instantly fallen for each other and they were just having fun on this ship and you know the bit where they're just i love i love her acting when she's like you know even if you know say we go Santa Monica and like even if we're just talking about it like the way she says it and then the way they carry the rest of that scene right up right up until they're like spinning over the you know the railing or whatever it just feels so natural it doesn't feel scripted it just feels so real and and I I I'm one of them like and Leo should just stay with her you know like for real like it's one of those things where it's just so good yeah. well, where, where what I you, don't what did you think where I don't get the Leo mania thing i get mm-hmm. the kate and leo thing the yeah. jack and rose yeah. thing i ship them. yeah it's palpable like there's a scene and you, you like you said you could say it's writing or directing or you know whatever mm-hmm. movie magic but when mm-hmm. they do the scene where um that i'm flying yeah. and they do the close-up of their hands yes just like grazing yeah. each other it, mm-hmm. it seems real and that's the hottest scene hot take so real and yes yes that got me a little hot and bothered not even the car it was the hands no not even the car the the car was more just her taking full ownership of her choices you know something that she had never had you know she never had been able to do right until that point she was like i'm gonna sleep with this guy Mm -hmm. i'm gonna drive him back here i'm gonna do like Yes. Literally pulls him in and she's telling him what she wants. You know, put your hand on me, do this, do that. But that, the the flying scene, you're right. Like, I felt that too. I was like, damn, this is good. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, mm, Yeah. Like, when I was feeling, I'm like, chemistry. oh, this is a little cheesy. But then I'm like, oh, wait a minute. But those hands, like, this is, this is hot. Ooh. It's true. He's like whispering and singing into her ear and stuff. And mm-hmm. like, I was like, damn. Um, the i think the second closest as far as chemistry maybe 
would be like a Star is Born with Gaga and, and yes. Bradley Cooper. Oh my gosh, yeah. Actually, yes, you're right. But, you are. But, you know, because it's Gaga and I love Lady Gaga mm-hmm. and Bradley Cooper, it still feels kind of showy. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. Like, it still feels like they're like, oh, we're theater kids. Not that I had any, I'm a theater kid, but like, it still feels like, yeah, let's really like spice it up for them because they, they'll love this. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it feels like they're in on it. Whereas like Kate and Leo feel like they're just being recorded, like in the distance, off in the di- like James, Jimmy C's just back there with the camera going, this yeah. is great. Yeah. 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 You know, and we're just getting a slice of life with them as opposed to them being like, oh yeah, let's, let's graze our hands together. Cause they're going to love this. It's, you know, it doesn't feel showy. Which is crazy about, you're talking about like the character Rose having this autonomy and this confidence. Mm-hmm. I believe that they were trying to film that scene on the boat for mm-hmm. a couple days or at least a day or two and the lighting, mm-hmm. they couldn't get it right. Yeah. And Kate right. is the one who was like, Hey, we got to film this right now. This is our time. And I just love that yeah. as an actor to feel like, no, I have this instinct and to act on it and to be this bold. I love that. And I think, um, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff uh, about Jimmy C. Which I, like, I like how we're calling him Jimmy <laughs> C. But there's a lot of stuff about Jimmy C. and how um, sort of demanding he can be as a director i mean obviously man like he can do whatever he wants because he his talent is clearly there like he's not just some hack who's like being rude for the sake of it um but to your point he he does it seems like he lets his actors command the space Mm -hmm. when it's about them when he when it's all behind the camera and he's trying to get the shot put together and he's trying to get the concept whatever all that kind of stuff that's him but when it comes to the actor, I feel like he does respect the actor to let them be like, hey, we're going to shoot this now. I'm feeling it right now. I read, too, that like all the extras, because there's like 150 extras. He had them like mm-hmm. come up with their own backstory and everything just so they would be like invested. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that's really awesome. Yeah. I mean, it comes down to him just letting his actors um, do their thing. Like he, he gives them that space. Like I would. I would kill to to sit, you know, in their volume wherever they film Avatar, you know, the performance capture, because that, you know, when you read about all these interviews with them, they talk about it like it's theater. You know, mm-hmm. they actually just sit take, sit around and go, "What are we doing? Like, what's this thing about?" It's not James Cameron being like, you know, just do it. You know, it's like let's actually work through this together. Like he's an actor's director. It, it feels like so. Well, like in Avatar, Zoe Saldana's performance gives me theater in every sense it, it is like a sure. theater performance and that's not sure. a, either here nor there i think she's good it's it's just there is something different about theater acting versus film acting for sure yeah 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 i felt that more in the first movie than i did the second movie but i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah kate just kills it and to have that confidence right because i think she had done you know, a few films, probably about the same as Leo or maybe less. Um, I think her biggest film, not even like a big, big film, was Heavenly Creatures before this with Peter yeah. Jackson. Um, but she wasn't Leo. Mm-hmm. You 
know, and Leo couldn't break through Cameron with his, I'm not auditioning thing. Like Cameron was like, no, you're auditioning. So for, for Kate to come in and be like, and I think that's the, I think that's the respect that he has for women in general. <laughs> like, um, he's like willing to be like, nope, we're going to do that because she's right. <laughs> you know? And Leo's being annoying. So like, he's, he's going to have to, you know, all that kind of stuff. For sure. Oh, I love, um, just talking about Kate Winslet and Rose, her entrance scene. Which I love the just shot of her hat and then she like lifts up her face and you see her for the first time. Mm-hmm. And that light hits her. Mm-hmm. Chef's that kiss. The light or whatever you want to call it. That bounce light hits her. Like I was like, gorgeous. <laughs> that was another moment where I wanted to Meryl Streep just like, woo. Are we all mm-hmm. just Leo falling in love with Kate Winslet? I think so. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I also love her costume in that intro scene because it makes me think of Audrey Hepburn, My Fair Lady. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. the big hats. Yes, and I feel like that just the is like hats. the start of something really good. Well, all of her outfits in this are great. They're so good. Um, the red dress as she, you know, runs to the back of the ship, the uh, the dress that she wears after being drawn, like... It almost feels too contemporary, but at the same time, it feels appropriate for her. <laughs> you know, like if you put that on any, if you put her outfits on any other character, probably kind of, except for the first one that we see her in, it'd probably feel out of place. But on her, it's like timeless. Well, I think the costumes are historically accurate. I think also, are, yeah. I mean, this is not like Kate Winslet has the body of someone mm-hmm. from that time as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what else to add to that, but like, um, and maybe that's the, you know, it, 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 it goes back to that thing of, of that specific look at that time, mm-hmm. you know, that body style. Oh, like it's, it's, it's this timeless beauty. The way she wears it feels like she could pull it off now. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the way it sits on her and then the, the 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 design of it like it just feels i think i'm just a fan of like 19 teens fashion yeah, like that gilded <laughs> age into modern yeah 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 i think kate winslet too she does wear this 1912 style really well like it is either 1912 or 1997 mm-hmm. like exactly you know, and this is no shade to the actresses that were up for the role of Rose, like a Gwyneth or a Reese. Mm. Mm. But like, that's a different vibe entirely. Yeah. That is a little more contemporary. Exactly. Exactly. I I kind of found it interesting, <laughs> just as a, like a little side. Her lipstick feels very 90s, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she wore that same lipstick like just in real life. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's but very, I love that. Like, but I love it too, and it fits. Like, it it works so well. So, like, nineties fashion with nineteen twelve fashion. Like, let's make that happen. Let's same make that a thing. <laughs> well, like that lip. You know, it's funny you mention lip shades because I think mm-hmm. about this watching every single movie I ever watch. The lip shade of it all? Because it is, there's like a specific way that, you know, the makeup artist is blending different shades and stuff. It's not just like out the tube. 
but there's a certain like lipstick that every Mm -hmm. lady wears in a movie in this one it's it's just Mm -hmm. that color i don't know i wish someone could bottle it up it's like a burgundy it's like a dark you know like it's yeah i love that i love the color like i'm a i'm a sucker for it you you know i see it on kate i'm just i'm like i'm there it's like (laughs) kate and this Liv tyler and lord of the rings yes (laughs) which they say is black honey by clinique but i don't think it is that's all i'm saying Oh, you Another tried it? <laughs> You're like, this is not it? <laughs> it? It does look like it, but as someone with a similar skin tone, it's mm-hmm. a little, they they blotted something, they blended something. That's all I'm saying. Fair, fair. <laughs> um, what else? Oh, I want to ask you this since you're a dude. <laughs> sure. So this is... A real list, according to Wikipedia, but there's mm. movies that make men cry, and this is at the okay. top of the list. Uh-huh. Does this movie have like a special men effect? Like, what is this? Yeah, it's not at the top of my list. Um, yeah. I like I said when I was watching it just in that opening sequence um before right before we see we meet Rose you know I was getting a little emotional and choked up about it but I wasn't you know tear had not come out mm. um and I and I that feeling that I had I don't know if I'm still trying to figure out if that was the movie itself or if it was my own nostalgia of like I was a kid when I, I was you know eight or nine when I saw this on VHS and now I'm 32 or whatever and i'm seeing this in theaters like i'm a sucker for like time like, i know what you mean and reflection and and to be like man i'm sitting here in theaters and like it's wild you know and i'm sitting here with my fiance like this is crazy i'm getting emotional just thinking about it so i don't know if that was like my own personal stuff or if that was the movie um i did get emotional uh i did get emotional around certain parts in the second half but again i didn't find myself like in that state like i was getting i was almost there and you know i was near the onions being cut but i wasn't the one cutting the onions i'm like you know and i don't know if it's because i was more focused on the nostalgia of it all or if i just need to actually just sit there and actually watch it at home Mm -hmm. for me to see if it actually evokes that that feeling but it's definitely like it it would make me cry if i let it i i'm a I'm, i can be an emotional person i let movies you know make me cry <laughs> are you a cancer what no i'm a taurus oh okay <laughs> Why? <laughs> i don't know you give me cancer vibes oh in a good way you just seem like a sensitive soul yeah i guess so <laughs> <laughs> no i mean i could tell you i do have my own list of movies that make me cry but i'm curious what the other movies are but titanic is number one apparently Mm -hmm. and then i didn't read the rest of the article but (laughs) (laughs) but uh what's what are the movies that make you cry okay you really gonna do this i'll (laughs) ask everyone we'll go around the room (laughs) yes let's let's please go around because i can't embarrass myself (laughs) by myself i can't be the only one here um okay I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. I'm going to, I'm going to get, you know, people are going to be like, he's so lame. 
So there are three movies that will absolutely make me cry no matter what. And when I say cry, I'm not, I don't mean like one tear. I mean, I will sit there by myself and like ball. I'll be like, God damn it. Okay. In this order, Bicentennial Man. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I know. Exactly. I know. Oh, I'm so sorry. See, that's, 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 the, that, that's the reaction. <laughs> Bicentennial Man. Hook and Perfect Sense, which I think is a more reasonable movie among that list. I think the first two are the eyebrow raisers. They're like, what? <laughs> I get Hook. I get it. Well, Hook is more, it's that nostalgia thing I'm talking about, because I saw that really, really young, like before Titanic, you know, and that's probably like my all-time favorite now. Um, but like I saw that in theaters right before the pandemic. Um they were doing this special showing near me and uh, I'd never had this reaction to the scene before. There's the scene where he goes back to London and Maggie Smith is at the top of the stairs and she's just like, hello boy. And it's like, she's very elderly, Wendy. And I'm, and I was sitting there in the theater, like, <laughs> like there's just something about it. Um, but yeah. And then Bicentennial man, that's a whole nother podcast. I can, that's, <laughs> there's a specific reason why that movie makes me cry even though it's quote-unquote a bad movie. But anyway. <laughs> I mean, there's something about Robin Williams that's inherently sad. Yeah. yeah. He just has a sadness to him. So so I yeah. kind of, I get it. I know originally I was laughing at your Bicentennial Man, but but there is something about Robin Williams that I get. I agree. Yeah. That's probably why yeah. Robin Williams. Maybe I'll do that on my own podcast and explain yes. why that movie. Oh, yeah, I did do that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's, yeah, there's, because I saw that movie when I was nine. Um, and I had already seen Titanic, but there's just something about that movie that made me think really existentially, even though it's not meant it's not advertised as an existential film it's really not it's poorly advertised but i think it's a misunderstood film which who directed that uh chris columbus who did oh. harry potter first two home alone without fire home alone like Doubtfire all your favorite childhood me. movies he's he's done he's, he's done um mrs doubtfire is another movie that makes me cry by the yeah. way so that's right after perfect sense <laughs> no me too <laughs> yeah, what are the movies that make you yeah. cry um, other than, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> um, cause I don't know if Mrs. Doubtfire is on my top three, but it's like to cry to, but it'll get me emotional for sure. Um, I would yeah. say Finding Nemo. Mm. That one gets oh, me every yeah. time. I don't know. It irks me that it, it, every time it'll get me. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think what else. I feel like I used to cry to Titanic, but this time around I felt similarly where I was thinking about the nostalgic factor and i don't know if it still makes me cry but mm -hmm. i don't know i can't really think of a lot of movies that make me cry hmm. but mm -hmm. i can also cry easily like I, I don't know like i feel like a lot of things get me like I, this isn't a movie but i've started watching the wonder years um, and every episode by mm -hmm. the end of it i'm just like <laughs> and it's not even necessarily something <laughs> sad it's just something like right. they learn something that's very heartwarming or it's like i'm like oh my god they're such good friends or like there there's like some lesson that they learned that i don't know but i think i don't know i just get emotional easily so same here yeah same the notebook made me cry but i have only seen it once but 
Um, and what? But there's a movie called Big Fish, and that mm. one surprised me and made me cry. Oh, interesting. Like the end nice. really got me. It surprised me. I was having such a good time in that movie, and then the, I was like, "Wow, I didn't see this coming." And that, yeah. I was <laughs> Did it like, make oh. you weep, or was it just the one? Tier? No, I was like I really. I was ugly crying, like full <laughs> ugly crying. Ugly yeah. Crying. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's the question. What movie makes you ugly cry? <laughs> mm, that one, Finding Nemo. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Nick? Nikki? Oh, I mean, I think Brie knows this one. Um, but A Star is Born. Yeah. Um, that sequence where she goes mm-hmm. out on the stage for the first time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was, I was there. Are the second time when her and Bradley Cooper are in the bedroom and he just goes like this and touches his nose. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, Mm -hmm. because I saw that movie in the theaters four times, you know Mm -hmm. what the scene's going to happen next. It it rips me to pieces. That was uh, that was our that was that was uh, my first day with my fiance a couple of years back. <laughs> Took her to see that movie because I had never seen the original, so I didn't know yeah. that it was gonna go down that road. Yeah, <laughs> we're just sitting there afterwards, like ugly cry, like that movie will get you. <laughs> Good for state, right? <laughs> it's like it's been our tradition now to like watch Titanic for Valentine's Day. <laughs> All these tragic movies. <laughs> <laughs> nice. As long as you don't watch Eternal Sunshine. Oh, that's, see, that's or Five Hundred Days. Seen, but those I are the no. Like, you, don't you have to see them though at some point in your life, like a one time, or, or should you never? Ben says no. You Ben's do. shaking his head. I haven't seen them. I'll hold you them. do. You, <laughs> you do have to see them, but it's, those aren't date movies. Like I'm gonna hold my my ground on those. Those are not date movies. Oh, just see it on your own, like when you want to be depressed. Or like see, just like casual watch. Like, hey, let's watch a movie tonight, sort of thing. But you know, we're not gonna make a big date thing out of it. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Okay. I think it's healthy to watch those movies, but I don't think they're like you know date worthy. <laughs> I gotcha. Don't get in like the like oh let's pop some popcorn and enjoy this. Like, this is not a Netflix yeah. and chill situation. No, 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 no. This no. is like, what existential movie should we watch tonight? <laughs> let's not talk afterwards. Don't look at each other afterwards. Yes, let's not talk afterwards. Um, what's but, in what were your movies? So, A Star is Born. But I will cry Star at anything. Born. Like, Brie and I saw that terrible I Want to Dance with Somebody, Whitney Houston oh, yeah. movie. And I cried. <laughs> I think I did too. Yeah, but, I get it. But you know what makes me cry, and I, that is my embarrassing bicentennial man songs. Sure. I will cry songs. if you play. It's not oh. a movie. Like if you play "Landslide" by Fleetwood Mac, I will cry. In the grocery <laughs> okay. store, I will cry. Uh, um. I will cry to "Formation" by Beyonce. <laughs> if I think about what it's like to be a black woman. And I'm not a black woman, but I'll, I understand what she's trying to say. Yeah. And it makes me cry. Wow. You know what else makes me cry? Well, oh, anything by Whitney Houston or Mariah Carey, because yeah. their voice is incredible. Yeah. Talent makes me cry. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I like that. Talent. Yes. Yep. And I think that's what we feel when we watch movies. Like we're talking about how we can, you know, any movie that's good enough that has that effect can make us. It's the talent. That's, that's that's getting to us yeah that's that's a good way to look at it i like that i like that number one song though that makes me cry 
is My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion. <laughs> uh, I love that. Well, okay. I have a love hate with that, with that, with that song. Um, my mom used to play it all the time. She wore out the cart, the cassette tape, and then she bought the CD. And it's all she played whenever she drove. And I couldn't wait to start driving as a teenager because that meant that I could play my music. And so I would play another Celine song that was better than that, I think. <laughs> Which one? Um, then You Look At Me. Oh. It's from Bicentennial Man. <laughs> nice. Oh, boy. Oh. I thought it was going to be like Because You Loved Me or All By Myself. Oh, that's a great one, too. I mean, I love like all of, all of her songs are great, but she, my mom, wore that song out, and so we're watching Titanic last night. The credits roll, my heart will go on, and we just couldn't help but start like, like mockingly lip syncing. Oh, Bree and I did that too. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was waiting for that song because you keep hearing the flute music and the instrumental, the music, but she yeah, never yeah. goes off. I just was like waiting. So good. Yes. I mean, like. That song is well. Celine Dion is dentist music, but in the best way. What? <laughs> like you know when you're at the dentist getting your teeth cleaned, and mm. you get the hits of the '80s, '90s, and today, and you listen mm-hmm. to like a heart power ballad, and then you listen to some, okay. you know, uh, Richard Marx right here waiting, and then you hear okay. a Celine. I don't know if that's happened to me at the dentist. I think I'd just get, I don't know what would happen. I need to make you a playlist. I think I'd jump out of the chair. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'd jump out of the chair and I'd start singing it. And the dentist would be like, get back on there. (laughs) Just body rolling. Yeah, body roll. (laughs) I was about to sing. I was about to sing. My heart will go on. Don't do this to me. (laughs) I'm going to do it. Oh, my gosh. When she hits that high note good it is good see like i do love the song but it's like i've heard it so many times at this point (laughs) but i'm just a big celine fan like i Mm -hmm. think she's the greatest vocalist of all time she is and i love that she can kind of not make fun of her but like when she did the deadpool song and music video like that i was like i love this woman i didn't hear about that yes is it a ballad is it a power ballad it's a it's a power ballad. Everything, yeah. Like Ryan uh, Reynolds is a huge Celine fan, so he was like, "I want her to sing the theme song for Deadpool 2. And the so like the movie opens with this really tragic scene, and then it cuts to this James Bond style opening credits, oh. but it's Celine Dion singing mm-hmm. through. It. <laughs> it's like perfect. Oh, I love that. It's funny, but it's also really beautiful. And then the music video, it's classic Celine on a stage singing. It's beautiful. It's emotional. But then you have Ryan Reynolds in high heels walking around as Deadpool around oh. the stage doing ballet. Wow. I got to see <laughs> that. I love the Deadpool movies. Yes, you got to see it. Okay. <laughs> it's so good. So I love that she can, she, she's not, uh, she doesn't take herself too seriously. Oh my gosh. But have you seen all those videos of her? Like people trying to sing to her? Like there's like, like these compilation videos <laughs> of her just like doing really funny things and being kind of sassy. She like rolls the window up on one lady. Like she definitely has like personality <laughs> no. is what I'm trying to say. Like, and I just love her. I love her. Yeah. I've been to many Filipino parties where karaoke, where Celine was always part of the karaoke playlist. Yeah. <laughs> so you have a lot of, 
And then uh, Mike was passed to me several times, and my mom was like, "You can sing this. You know the words." And I'm like, "Don't." How don't does anyone do sing? It. That's like trying to sing a Whitney Houston <laughs> song. I know. Though. Like, you can't touch. I know. It. I would, like, mm. you can't. You can't. You can't. But the joy of music has mm-hmm. to run through your veins like it does for Celine. We might not have the pipes, but we gotta like indulge a little bit. Yeah, a little bit in the shower, you know, yeah. or in the car when you're by yourself. We have to like <laughs> pump our chest like Celine does when she performs, when she hits a really good yes. note and she's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but I like that. I like that music has like the most effect for you. Yeah. As far as like making you <laughs> ugly cry. A hundred percent. Oh, but you know, yeah. speaking of my heart will go on. Mm-hmm. This song is just as huge as Titanic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This wins the best, you know, song at the Oscars against Elliot Smith, which I think is really funny. Not funny, well, but it well, makes me think of like you in your car as a teen being like, now I can play my music and turning up. You know, it's like that juxtaposition. Yeah. And the... <laughs> The other thing that I thought about after watching the movie and hearing the song was, so the composer, James Horner, um, he wrote the music and I, and I think some of the lyrics for the song as well. Um, but that guy, like talk about, talk about an artist, man. That dude made at least three, if not four power ballads in the nineties that were huge hits. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Titanic, Zorro, and then Bicentennial Man. But like he he composed and like I I I would make fun of him. Rest in peace, you were brilliant, sir. But I would make fun of him in like the the aughts, the late aughts and the early twenty teens because he started recycling a lot of his work. But it's like his body of work was so good that like of course you could recycle it. Like it's so good. But like, talk about a dude who was able to come up with all those power ballads during the '90s. Like, how do you do that? You know, it's, win Oscars for them, and it's like, how do you do that? It's it's crazy. It's, it's mind blowing. It's talent, pure talent. That's it. Yeah. I mean, that's this movie encapsulated. It's just talent. Mm-hmm. Right? I, yeah, I feel it's like everyone involved is so talented. Like, it's yeah, makes sense why it won so many awards. Yeah. It, it almost makes you sick. It's like, damn. <laughs> yeah. well, and the thing with my heart will go on to in Celine, the Celine of it all. There's such an earnestness to her as a performer in this song. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Titanic is so earnest. Yes. Yeah, it works. It, they they both work perfectly together. Um, and yes, earnest. Ernest is the big theme, not just for this movie, but for Jimmy C's work. Mm-hmm. Jimmy C. Um, even though, even though, like earlier films are super violent and stuff, there there is this sort of earnestness about them, um, even to this day with the avatars. The other bit of trivia I didn't know this, but my fiance was telling me that like that Celine had uh, had did the song in one take. Oh wow! And like that was it. Like what we hear was the take, and it's like. That's amazing. How? <laughs> See, yeah. if I sit on that too long, that'll make me cry. <laughs> See? Yeah. Good. Let's let's let this happen. No. Come on, Brie. It let's is the talent, though. Just think about her talent. <laughs> Someone just slowly plays landslide and it's over for me. No. I get it, though. Yeah. Landslide's powerful. It is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, so then let's just get into so Titanic mm-hmm. was released on December 19th, 1997. Mm-hmm. It stayed at least in theater in theaters at least till May of 98. Mm-hmm. Maybe even longer. Which is unheard of. And the biggest open, like the biggest amount of ticket sales during that time period mm-hmm. was on Valentine's Day, 1998. That was like the peak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like one of the, last night I felt like one of the guys from like the 90s taking the girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I was like, I think that was, that was part of the nostalgia that was getting me. I was like, damn. And like there were older people in the audience behind us for I'm like you were probably my age now <laughs> taking you know you know to see them at the or someone else that you were dating at that time but like whatever it is like the yeah anyway but yeah uh, biggest biggest movie in theaters and it came out in '97 you said like late '97 mm-hmm. December '97. That's interesting that he's calling it the 25th for this year. Interesting. That should have should have come out in December then, of last year. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they were like maybe for Valentine's. Yeah, Day. May, was, I, think, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They were focused more on that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Movie theaters are so weird nowadays. But, How so? Like just the way that movies stay in the theater and come and go. I don't know. It just doesn't feel the same. Mm. I think because of that movie. So, like, you know, I I ragged on Marvel a little bit, right? Um, I think I can rag on this now, too. So, before Titanic, you know, a movie making 100 to 300 million was considered very successful. It's like, holy crap, we made 300 mil. Not just in, uh, well, I should clarify. Most movies made between like 100 to 200, and then you would make an extra uh, off uh, home video sales. So making 300 mil in total was was the goal if you were a big big movie. After Titanic, everything blew up, and it was like we have a new benchmark, and if we don't hit that, like what are we doing? And so. I think what you saw as a result of Titanic was this thing by studios to try to hit that mark. Uh, not a billion, if not a billion, then certainly somewhere close to it. Um, there's this great little useless trivia, I guess, but like there's this little thing where George Lucas was making um, episode one um, around that time. And there's this great behind the scenes footage of him talking to Frank Oz, who uh, voiced Yoda. And he's saying like, we're never gonna be Titanic it's just not possible and it's like you're george lucas you created star wars you built an empire like yeah but that's the mentality like that's what it did to these filmmakers was like i'm never going to be titanic um and so it kind of had that effect on it and so brie like what you're touching on is the sort of um it's this like baseball card effect Mm -hmm. or this baseball stat effect where it's like we no longer can just sit there and go, I'm gonna like that movie's coming out, but I you know, I can't really see it opening weekend, so I'm gonna go see impressed. it next weekend. It's not really gonna affect everything. Yeah. Now it's all dependent on opening weekend. And if you're not mm-hmm. there opening weekend, like people are gonna bash you hard. Like you know, going back to Way of Water, the anticipation for the movie to fail by a lot of trolls online 
mm. was, you know, they were going hard on their uh, opening weekend because it didn't cross 100 mil, mm-hmm. you know, like a Marvel movie would. So they were comparing it to a Marvel movie already, like, oh, it didn't cross 100 mil, but this thing's going to flop. Cut to now, and it's top three yeah. <laughs> box office. It's, so it was it's number like, two last week. Right. And so I think, you know, I think it's useless to try to put stock into that and to try to treat it like baseball stats. You know, if the movie is good, it's going to find its audience. And that's what you find with a lot of Oscar nominated films, particularly the the ones that are um, kind of under the radar, you know, The Whale or The Banshees of Inisherin. Like those movies are not going to be box office successes the way that Titanic is or Avatar is. but and they're going to fail their first weekend. So it's going to mm-hmm. it's going to throw distri- distribution off and movie theaters are going to go, well, why would we keep that? It's not making us money. But like, just just let it sit a little bit longer. Yeah, it doesn't that's hurt what I'm trying to sit. say. Let it sit longer. That's my beef with, the, I don't know, things I, nowadays. It's so interesting about that, too, because, well, the funny, funny bit is the way of water is mm-hmm. today's sleeper hit. Yes. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. 20 years ago, the sleeper hit of probably our lifetime, mm-hmm. My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Right. And that is a small rom-com. Mm-hmm. And we probably will never have that again, but there is that hope. But the but you have to have a, a faith in a mid-budget, mid-sized movie, which... Because now Titanic set that bar, Avatar in 2009 set an even bigger bar, and then the marvel of it all, mm-hmm. it's like you get your everything everywhere all at once, mm-hmm. but you don't get your My Big Fat Greek Wedding. You don't, I don't know if that makes any sense, but you don't get that. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. But I do have a counter for that. Yeah. And the closest we've come to that is uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Oh, another movie that made me cry in the theater. Not because of the movie, but I saw. Yes. And the music. Yes. Well, yellow. Oh, yeah. Yes. But no, what made me cry was walking out of the theater and seeing a bunch of old Asian men. And I just, Mm -mm. you know. Yep. (laughs) The the thought of of that. Just they had to go see this movie. Because yeah. it was representation. That, that's yeah. the sauce. But also Kina Granis. Yeah, that's true. The wedding ceremony. You don't care about the characters, but that rendition of the song. You're like, I get makes it. Makes me cry every time. It's beautiful. Makes me cry every time. But yeah, uh, to Bree's point, like, let it, let the, let these movies sit and cook. Like, let the smaller movies sit and cook. Mm-hmm. You know, the big budget stuff you can either keep or, or get rid of because you're going to put it on Disney Plus eventually anyway, yeah. you know. But give let the whale sit a for a little bit longer. Is the yeah, whale already gone? Ch- it just doesn't have a chance. <laughs> that was my Titanic bit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> yeah. Cool. Well, yeah. I'm glad we can agree. Yes. Mm-hmm. Good, good thing to bring up, though. That's, yeah. Just looking at my notes. You know, um, number three at the box office this past week was the Titanic re-release. <laughs> Speaking about yeah. movie theaters. 
Jimmy C still collecting those those checks, man. Jimmy C really is. Do you think he's gonna release like a Terminator or anything? Like I don't know. I would hope so. True Lies, bring it all back. <laughs> oh my god, can you imagine? True Lies <laughs> in three D. In three D. Oh my god. I'm I'm down. That'd be too much. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, you know. As talented as he is, he's also a very savvy businessman. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's very obvious, you know, me, per, like, as a filmmaker myself, I would just for nostalgia's sake say, like, oh, my God, it's been a quarter of a century. Like, I want to re-release this just for nostalgia. He's not thinking that. I'm thinking, like, I'm going to make more money out of this. Like, this is great because people are going to eat it up because, yeah, it is the 25th anniversary. Um you know, it's smart stuff. I can't fault him for that. It's genius. <laughs> and I think we also just want to go to the movies and feel something. Yeah. I feel we like do. I'd like this past year has. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, with releases, you know, there's a great movie theater um, up here near me uh, where they do um, they do things every month. It's, a, it's like a retro uh, showing every month and, you know, every march they'll play labyrinth mm. oh, <laughs> you know you cool. can go see labyrinth on a big screen it's like that's cool um i saw hook at there so it's like i'm i'm a huge fan of, of re-releases particularly if you were too young to go see that you know these movies in theaters or if they were even before your time like there's just something about the theater and i that's something i noticed about this movie too is that i noticed a lot more seeing it on the big screen and i had seen the movie all throughout my life like i saw it as a kid i saw it as a teenager i saw it as a young adult and i saw it as a as an older person <laughs> you know and you, uh, there's this little thing, older person you, the, but there's just little things that you don't notice unless you watch it on the big screen like there's just something about watching it in the movie theater that like can't replace a, a 70 or a 50 inch tv like you can't replace it i agree i fully agree uh what yeah. movie theater just a shout out because i love those things what is the movie theater? The movie theater. God. Uh, ooh, that's bad that I can't name it right now. Oh, my gosh. You're putting me on the spot. Ugh. Uh, we like the borough, which is like five minute walk down the road from us. But that's not it. Uh, uh, hang on. Let me, let me, let me. Angelica <laughs> Film Center. <laughs> it's, hang on. Let me redo that. It's Angelica Film Center. There are two locations here, uh, one in D.C. and then one in um, Fairfax. Virginia. Great little, they do film festivals there too. My short film was at one of those film festivals. So (laughs) I played at the near, or at the Angelica. So yeah, it's a great theater. Great theater. And you mentioned, I think you let it slip, The Narrow, which is our independent film source. And that's where I I saw Bill and Ted for the first time in Fargo. Great. And breakfast is at Tiffany's. Is... Yeah. Okay, good. The video stores is what's closed down, right? The funny thing is, okay. yes, but also um, it's not in the Barry at ODU. It's the newer art um, building. But they have a section uh-huh. in there where it is the narrow video. Oh, really? Like it's called the narrow video and mm-hmm. everything? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, I got to go back and check that out. That's Because the narrow video store was... Legit, I I love that store. I miss that store. That was so so cool. Could just so nostalgic. Spend a whole day in there. 
Tr- truly. But I'm, but I'm glad uh, the theater is at least still there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just love that the, the video store had like all these like niche European films. Yes. And not even like the good ones, but like the the weird ones. Like you're like, what is this doing here? Like it was better than Blockbuster, I think. Oh, truly. <laughs> I remember one day, just a random day in 2017, where I was like, I want to get into Swedish horror. So I went to the narrow video yeah. and just like yeah. picked up a movie. Nice. What was the what was the film that, that you ended up watching? Don't remember. <laughs> I don't think it was that good, but <laughs> <laughs> But the narrow had it. But they had it. So now we have to go to Shudder, which nothing against mm-hmm. them. Please sponsor us unless they're defunct. What's Shudder? It was like um yeah, like the, a the, movie for horror. Yeah. Like a, the horror streaming channel. Oh, yeah. Oh, I get yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Shutter. Mm-hmm. Like ooh. Yeah. Sh- <laughs> right? Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> that was their pitch <laughs> for meeting. You know, like ooh. <laughs> uh, hmm. I don't know. <laughs> well, so we were talking about the Titanic re-release. Mm-hmm. Why do you think this movie? Right now in 2023, mm-hmm. it's still in the top three at the box office. It's, you know, what is the relevance of this film now? It goes back to what we were talking about, earnestness, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, there's the nostalgia of it. And you're going to see older people there who had seen it, you know, 25 years ago. Um but if you're seeing younger people, it's probably because they just want to see what all the fuss is about. And hopefully they come out of it feeling the same way we do about it. And they're like, there's something different about this. And they're not going to know what it is, but it's that earnestness. They're going to be like, it's not cynical. It's not, you know, jokey. It's not, you know, childish or whatever. Like, there's something weird about it. And it's probably going to be the first movie that they had seen in their life where they're like, what is that feeling? You know, they're going to be questioning it. And they're going to like it, I think, hopefully. I don't know. <laughs> I think so. I think for the reasons you just say, I mean, even from the first meeting with Jack and Rose where she tries to jump off the boat, there's mm-hmm. this, I guess you just say love between the two. There's like, oh, I know what love is now. And throughout their whole mm-hmm. short-lived whirlwind of a relationship, there's something like, it's truly like romance mm-hmm. and love, which... Mm-hmm. To your Marvel point, everything has a code of cynicism to it now. To be, mm-hmm. you know, how not like what's the word for everyone to just be able to easily digest it. But like mm-hmm. kids today or young people today being like, "Ooh, this is romance and this is love." Yeah, in all that earnestness, there's nothing else. Yeah, right. And you know, I think that's that's a. Uh... I think that's a reason, you know, Way of Water is successful as well. Like, not to say that a movie needs to be devoid of humor or anything like that, but it needs to be done appropriately. And at the heart of it, especially a big blockbuster or an adventure film, this isn't an adventure film, by the way, obviously, but at the heart of it, at the heart of any movie, if if you're trying to make it for big audiences, there needs to be some level of earnestness to it. I, I in order like for it to really resonate. 
I feel like this movie also is like interesting, like the way it tells a story. Like it's not just mm-hmm. like a typical romance. Like it's about a big picture event as well, like a tragedy. It's like so much going on. Yep. It's like a retelling. Yep. You know, they're excavating yep. things. Like it's so interesting from so many different perspectives, I think. You know, the structure of it. I'm so shocked that they didn't get a screenplay nomination at the Oscars because of the structure. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very well done. And to your point, Brie, like they're able to juggle so many things seamlessly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talk about the visual transitions. But, yes, there's there's something to be said just about from a screenplay perspective, how it able how it's able to balance those things out um, appropriately. I what was, what was the point I was going to make. Um, oh, it's lost on me now. I'm sorry. But go ahead. Make <laughs> Oh, um, hmm. well, <laughs> time is okay. How much time do do we have with you? However long you need. <laughs> okay. Um, because before before we sign off, there's a couple more things I wanna mm-hmm. I wanna talk about. Um, sure. one, so we talked about Titanic sweeping the box office, mm-hmm. but it also swept the 1998 Oscars. Like, sweeped. Um, and mm-hmm. this is the year of L.A. Confidential, Goodwill Hunting, and As Good As It Gets. Yeah. Speaking of Robin right. Williams. Yeah. <laughs> and Helen Hunt, we talked right. about her too. Yeah, it, it swept in all the technical categories, um, directing and best picture. None for acting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Gloria Stewart might have been nominated. She, she was like the only actor, actor nominated. See to make sure isn't that's the year Helen Hunt won, right? I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think so because that was a very seminal win for me. We're just talking about wins, right? Not just yeah. nominations. Or nominations too. Yeah. Kate Winslet was nominated. Mm-hmm. She was okay. But, yeah, but she didn't win. Right. Let's see, is there a Gloria Stewart? I don't see her. 1998 Sorry. Oscar nominees. Oh, I didn't okay. know uh, Burt Reynolds for Boogie Nights was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. <laughs> and he hated working on that movie until the movie came out and it was, you know, so successful. He was changing his tune. Um, yeah, Gloria Stewart was nominated. Mm-hmm. She's very um, good. But Kim Basinger in L.A. Story was, or L.A. Confidential. LA Confidential, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Sorry. What do you all feel about that? You think you think Titanic was like deserving all all that, or was it like too much hype? Like, like as far as like acting or like the whole sweep, like the whole sweep. Yeah, the <sighs> technical categories. I feel like the technical categories definitely like the film, like the editing of it, like the pacing, like. I mean, you could say some of it could have been cut a little shorter, but I kind of like the scenes where it's just the plates falling from the... I guess that's also like some of the direction as well, but just the way that the scenes don't feel... Like, when they're longer, they have a purpose. Well, the length of the time in the movie the ship is sinking is the time in real life that it took Mm -hmm. the Titanic to sink, which is genius. Jimmy C. Mm -hmm. Jimmy C is genius. Mm -hmm. There's honestly nothing I would have cut. Yeah. Like he already cut a lot down and he already 
reshot alternate takes. Like, I don't know if you've seen, Nikki, you probably haven't seen them, but Brie, oh, you have cool. like the alternate ending. I don't know. Possibly? Like, I don't. So, what is the alternate ending? So, so Old Rose goes to the edge of the ship at the end and she drops the heart of the diamond in the ocean. Before she does that, she's standing over the railing and Bill Paxton's character, he's talking to uh, her granddaughter Mm -hmm. um, off in the distance and he has that revelation. He's like, I never let it in, all that kind of stuff. But then her granddaughter sees her standing over the railing and they're like, oh my God. So they run down. Yes. I remember that. Was that on the VHS? Because I feel like, or something. No, that was on the DVD, I think. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so they try to save her because they think that she's going to kill herself. And yeah. um, she reveals the diamond to Bill Paxton. And he's like losing his mind. He's like, oh, like everything he had just said is completely negated. You know, <laughs> you know, never let it sink in. And then all of a sudden he's back to like being the pirate that he is. And he's just like, don't drop it, don't drop it. And, um, you know, his ponytail sidekick is like, ah! like everyone shows up and she's just like, that's the point, Mr. Lovett. Like, Cal wasn't going to, you know, pay for my stuff or whatever. He was just going to be a memory for me, like, whatever he says. And then she drops mm-hmm. it in the ocean. And Ponytail Sidekick loses his mind. And he's like, you crazy, man. You know, like, <laughs> he tries to, like, jump off to, like, try to grab it, but he doesn't. And then that. Bill Paxton has, like, this crazy look on his face. And he's just like, well, okay. And then, like, he dances with her granddaughter. Like, it's a very weird sequence. <laughs> I, I, for some reason, that one lived in my brain. And, it, like, when I saw it this time, I was waiting for something more to happen at the end because I remember thinking, huh, that's it? I thought something else happened. And yeah. I think because I've seen this movie so many times over the years, like, it's been a long time since I've seen it on VHS, but I'm pretty sure yeah. somehow I think my mind also likes to change the end of movies. So I think that one just, I decided that was the real ending somehow subconsciously. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but even so, like it's it's such a weird thing, especially after um, Bill Paxton Bill Paxton's little speech before that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, what was the point of all that? Oh, the editing. So yeah, there was nothing I would have cut. I think all the choices that he made, including switching to the current ending that we actually have, I think those were all the right moves. And to your point, um, to both of your points, like letting the moments build and like the extra shots that like stuff that we don't even get in, in big movies anymore like it's also kinetic and, and or frenetic and, and just all over the place that like you don't take the time to let those moments build more you know um it all just happens so fast uh well now it of... seems like oh sorry no no, no go, for it, go for it oh just now it seems like the length is just as long like over three hours, but it's because they're trying to cram so much in yes. instead yes. of yes. being like, oh, we're having this runtime because it adds to the story. This is how the world you're building all the worlds and and stuff like that. There's there's a great James Cameron interview, um, short interview that came out just a few months ago for Way of Water. And he was basically asked, um, about that really uh, and he, he goes that he he was pressured by the studio at the time of the first avatar to cut the runtime down because there were just so many scenes of Jake and Atiri flying around on their banshees and he was like um, uh, you know the studio was, was pressuring him they're like cut it and he's like no I'm never going to cut that 
And they were like, why? And it's like, it's character moments. Like you need that. It yes. serves a purpose. Yes, you visually, of course, it's beautiful. All the time. And, yeah, you don't have to have dialogue all the time. And it's, you know, um, you know, it's visually impressive, obviously, and he wants to show that off. But really, it does come down to character. Again, he goes back to the thing we were talking about. Like he does care about the characters. Mm-hmm. And any chance he gets to show that, he'll do it. Um, would you guys mind if, if my fiance came in real quick? She needs to grab something. Oh, yeah. No. In the Come on. Uh, actually, oh, I know what she needs. I'll give it to her. Sorry. Just no, you're ignore good. me for a second. Talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Speaking of Avatar, things flying around, mm-hmm. like their scenes, when we watched uh, Twilight, yeah, talk about people flying around that could have been cut because that movie was long. Maybe if James Cameron directed Twilight, <laughs> it would have been different. Yes. <laughs> it would have made more sense. Yes. Um, uh, well, and even the... Um, I keep going back to the Marvel movies, but even those movies, right? Like, there's just so much... As, as you said, there's so much stuff happening that, like, you don't get the moment to breathe. And that's why I like, you know, we talked about the older movies, like Iron Man and all that. Those, those few, first few movies actually did breathe. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, we yes. actually, you know, we got to see him assembling stuff. So, like, we, we felt it. And so, like, when he suited up for the first time, you were actually pumped because you were like, yeah, we earned this. Like, we built this thing together as, you know, audience, you know. Um, Twilight, though. <laughs> that movie is long. That's a long movie that feels very long. If you rewatch it, I don't know how you feel about Twilight in general, you know, but it's not... When we watched it again, we found out it was not very good and mm-hmm. it was very painful to sit through. We felt like Rose <laughs> at the beginning before oh, Leo comes at the in. the table, just sitting <laughs> or, and zoning out. Well, I was going to say, I felt like at the edge of the Titanic. Oh. Like, should I jump? <laughs> That's worse. I'm going to be real with you. I love that third movie, though. Oh, the third. Okay. okay, yeah, the third might be good. But the first one? Yeah. The pacing is just... Not it's it. all yeah it is it, well in the second one too geez <laughs> i can't remember what the plot of that movie was there's not much of a plot the soundtrack slaps the soundtrack's though. great the soundtrack to all the movies slap let's be real yeah <laughs> and the only reason i really like that third movie is because david slade directed it and he did 30 days a night and so you definitely feel his influence there like the vampires do feel a little bit more menacing you know they don't have the teeth from 30 days a night but they have that Mm-hmm. that vibe that, that that menace about them yeah and plus the the jacob edward thing is just at its all-time peak there <laughs> so i am hotter than you you know <laughs> which one are you team uh jacob or edward uh, i am team uh brawny paper towel dad <laughs> Oh. I'm a big Charlie fan. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's cute. yeah. If I had to pick between the two, though, man, I guess uh, Edward, because he's not violent towards Bella as much as Jacob is. <laughs> I don't know. I will say when Brie and I yeah, saw New Moon, mm-hmm. when, you know, Robert Pattinson is shirtless and he comes out into the sun, I yeah. audibly said, ew. <laughs> Like he <laughs> I laughed out loud. We're in the theater. He just looks so pasty. Oh my gosh. Pasty, and then like he had that that like late him- aughts like skinny boy 
thing going on. I mean, I'm skinny too, which but I like. Specific... But I think they did him dirty. But yeah, they tried but to give like, him the fake abs. Playoff is like hot. No. <laughs> What'd you say, Bree? They tried to give him fake abs, and it went wrong. Like they did him dirty. I think if yeah, they just let him be, yeah, they... maybe his natural. You know, maybe he doesn't have all that, and that's fine. Yeah. But like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they try to put abs. Yeah, it just looks weird. He looks better now as Batman. You know, yeah. he's got a better tone body. You yeah, know? I think he's kind of low key hot. Like in Batman, now he is. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't find Leo attractive. My typical type is like skinny and ghostly, but Robert Pattinson doesn't do it for me. But Bill Paxton with that earring, though, it does. Well, and then Chalamet, too. Mm -hmm. Chalamet, yeah. Chalamet can pull that look. I'll tell you this I was very self conscious about my own body until I watched Call Me By Your Name because Chalamet plays that that stuff off so i mean he's meant to be awkward and kind of weird mm -hmm. but like he still plays it with such confidence i was like i can be confident too you know? <laughs> oh, that's beautiful <laughs> <laughs> it's like crazy rejections all over again <laughs> and i love that he's still like that like even for dune like he's still like skinny but confident and plays it off i'm like kudos man you're my inspiration <laughs> i'm in love with timothy chalamet and i don't know yeah i feel like i will never yeah, yeah. not be yeah <laughs> anything else anything else you want to talk about titanic wise titanic wise um yeah i don't know i don't know i think we touched on everything and you know what you know we Bree and I gave you crap for not watching it before this, but you know your pod is called Late to the Party, so it's appropriate. We're all late <laughs> to the party sometimes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we're all late to the party sometimes. I do recommend, you know, because this is late to the party, I do recommend uh, a watch of uh, Perfect Scent. That was my number third movie. Okay. Uh, as far as movies that make me ball, that one is with um, Ewan McGregor and Eva Green. Oh. Oh my God. You want to talk about chemistry? Actually, you know what? Uh, not just the star is born. I'll, perfect sense as well. Perfect chemistry there, but it is a sadder movie. So that's why I didn't like, it didn't come to mind because it's not like a straightforward romance. Like it's really, it's equally tragic, but really bitter, like more so than Titanic. I think honestly, like it's, it'll get you. It's really good. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. We'll check them out. Perfect sense. Who directed that? uh david mckenzie i think is his name he also did hell or high water with chris pine okay um and he did something recently i can't remember what it is i think it might have been a show but it was his first movie he's a british director um and without giving too much away the premise is there's this um eva green is this scientist ewan mcgregor is a cook you know, he's a line cook and uh, they're living in britain and and they just happen to come across each other innocently, um, but their whole romance is um, tested when the entire world is going through this bizarre pandemic where everyone is losing parts of their five senses. Mm. Oh. Wow. So like, yeah, so like taste, like, you know, what would it be like if you couldn't taste anything anymore? Smell, what it, you know, like, and they're, their relationship is tested as they're losing all you know their senses so it's it's very beautiful it is very sad though <laughs> wow. 
and they are fantastic in it. Like it's one of those hidden gems um, okay. that I would just recommend to everyone. Just bring yeah. the tissue box. Yes. Yeah. Oh, definitely bring the tissue box. Yep. Gotcha. <laughs> well, besides yeah. perfect sense, is there anything else you'd like mm-hmm. to promote or a plug? <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing right now. Uh, seeing that this is my first time. Yeah, <laughs> on the show. <laughs> um, I make short films sometimes. Um, I have something out there, little short, little mini doc called uh, Kaleidoscope, um, about a guy I went to high school with who was um, is really nerdy and and was introverted at the time, but then he moved out to California, um, in Santa Barbara, in the middle of the pandemic. But when things started kind of lightening back up, um picked up uh roller blading or roller skating and found the community there so i got that out you can watch that on the webs um i had a short film that was at angelica um for a film festival that is not out anywhere on the webs yet but um i'll find some way to get it out there um uh, but yeah no just doing a lot of photography right now (laughs) that's awesome Oh, and my own pod. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't, yeah. Yeah. Conscious Rewind. Um, wherever you listen to podcasts, Google, Spotify, Apple. Um, my old, my best friend and I from high school go back and talk about things that have influenced our tastes over time. Um, we talk about Twilight. Nice. And now we both like them. Ironic. Well, both ironically and just we like them. Like yeah. we, they are what they are. Um <laughs> So yeah, we talk about the, the, the you know, those influences that ha- uh, had impact on us, and yeah, bicentennial man, <laughs> bicentennial man, yes, talk about that. Uh, that movie, uh, underrated, <laughs> poorly advertised, <laughs> Mis- you know, misunderstood. Re- rewatch it if you haven't watched it in a long time. <laughs> it's low key on my list because I just I have no idea what it. I've only seen the poster, so I'm just so curious. So do not watch the trailer. In fact, I will try to make a new trailer that will sell yeah. the movie better than the way they okay. tried to sell it. <laughs> um, because it was advertised as like, and it's literally the movie trailer voice being like, check out this wacky adventure of this robot oh. going on this journey to become a man. And it's like, it, that's not the movie. Um, not everything can work within the world. Like, no. In a world guy. Yeah, no. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very, it's an earnest film about uh this robot who's more sentient than others um and whose master owner you know notices this and he's like i want to help you realize your full potential and it's it's one of those movies that touches on uh time um and death and what it means to be immortal and would you give that up if if you had the chance to you know, die as a human. Like, there's so many like little philosophical things in that movie that were just completely ripped to shreds by the trailer alone, and became this huge flop. <laughs> but it's it's so good. I love that movie, and the score is by James Horner. So it's like, if you love the Titanic score, you'll love this score. <laughs> and Mr. Vitz is in it. If you love Matilda, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, Robin Williams is always good. Like, just watch it. And Chris Columbus, you know. He always does decent stuff, so. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, RJ. 
Yeah, it's been a blast yeah. talking about Titanic. <laughs> no problem. It's been a blast. If you ever want to come yeah, back and talk about Bicentennial Man, come back on. <laughs> I already, that was the pitch. That's all I got to say. I don't want to nerd out too much. We got you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. I, I, I love the pod and, you know, whatever, whenever, if, if you guys, if you all want to have me back on, I'm game. Let's do it. Sweet. Of course. It's a pleasure. Well, bye, RJ. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.